Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's podcast is called Awakening Authentic Self-Confidence. And it's inspired by my own personal journey with being okay with myself. Self-confidence is something that comes naturally for very few of us. In fact, most of us work our entire life to find a sense of self-worth and then somehow allow that to reflect outwardly in the form of self-confidence. Self-confidence is something that if we base it only on external approval, we will not have a lot of it. But if we can learn to base our self-confidence on our own approval of ourselves, and if we realize that all we actually have to do is set the ego aside and let our own authentic rhythm of life flow through us, suddenly we have an abundant amount of self-confidence. In fact, whenever we live life in an ego-based formula, we will continually find ways that we are coming up short. That's almost what the ego's job is to do. It's saying, oh, you're not looking as good as you did yesterday. Maybe you need to go jogging. Whereas if we get out of the ego and into the heart, it's like, how do you feel today? Do you feel good about yourself no matter what you look like? And that's the difference between an ego-based way of looking at ourselves, which is always full of criticism, and a heart, love-based way of looking at ourselves, which is always full of approval. The Bhagavad Gita says, the supreme self is the enjoyer, the witness, and the approver of all. To quote it exactly, in the chapter in Matter and Spirit, verse 22, the Bhagavad Gita says, The supreme spirit in the body is said to be the one who is the witness and the approver, the supporter and the enjoyer and who is the Sovereign Lord and the Highest Self. And what the Bhagavad Gita is saying is that this heart-based way of looking at life, meaning we're able to look at life from the love, which is basically the deepest essence of us. Love and the self are essentially the same thing. It's the vibration of the divine within our heart of hearts. Whenever we base our reality from this perspective of witnessing life and allowing life to roll by without much disapproval, suddenly we don't disapprove of ourselves either. Suddenly we realize that everything that unfolds is actually in divine orchestration with the unfolding of life. And rather than look for, well, why and how do you know that? saying, well, what if we tried trusting that idea for even just a month? What if for a month we were willing to set our ego aside, so let go of some of our willpower and desire to control the outcome of things, and actually trust life to unfold? What would happen? Because this is the thing. If we're always doubting life, then part of that is that we are always doubting ourselves. And self-doubt is basically sabotage to self-confidence. The more time we waste doubting ourselves, the less time we spend doing what we want to do in the way we want to do it with the people that we love. 
Because if we're always sabotaging ourselves with self-doubt, then we are naturally, usually, most likely, sabotaging the rest of our life with that same doubt. Doubt comes from fear. Doubt comes from lack of trust that we are always going to be taken care of on some level or another until we're not and then we leave our body, right? So our willingness just to sit and observe life and of course do what you're compelled to do don't try to control it. Let the messiness unfold if it needs to. And realize if you don't think something is a mess, suddenly everything falls into order. I know that might sound insane, but I'm seeing this happen in my own life. Right now, what I have been moving through, my partner and I, has been basically unable to find a place to live and challenged in a lot of other ways. I don't even have a car anymore here. But my life is better than it has been in a year. Because even though we don't have a steady place to live, we still have a roof over our head. And even though I don't have a car, I have money in the bank for my old car. And I get to be with my partner more because he has to take me to work. And so actually trusting the unfolding, even though it seems like a disaster, has actually led me to more happiness. And that's just a small example. We are all capable of this. If we realize that life actually always has our back and we can relax a little bit, suddenly we begin to have trust, trust in the universe. But also with that comes trust within ourselves. Learning how to trust ourselves, trust our abilities are enough. Trust that we will always be right by the people who we are meant to be by. It allows us to step outside of our shell because we realize failure is an illusion. Anytime we think that we are failing in a career or failing in a relationship, we need to see that it's not failing. It's just that our life is being renovated. Our life is having some shifts that we are going through. So rather than thinking that we failed at something, we have to understand that we are actually just right on path. And that what sometimes seems like destruction is actually new life or new birth coming. And I've been so grateful personally to have someone to ride through these ups and downs with, these perceived failures of the material realm. And it's helped me put it into perspective that it's only something to freak out about if I choose to freak out about it. If I can be okay with the fact that I don't have a car and that, you know what, I might end up hitchhiking before we leave the island, then suddenly I feel no stress about getting to work because I realize I will somehow get to work. And it's just a metaphor for the rest of our life for all of our life, if we are willing to understand that even if we don't know the solutions right now, even if we don't have all the answers, things are unfolding in a beautiful way, then suddenly we become a little bit more bold, a little bit more bold to pursue what our big dream is. My good friend, Claire Smallwood, who runs a nonprofit called She Jumps, once told me, Kristen, what would you dare to accomplish if success was the only possible outcome? 
And when she told me that, it was a game changer for me because it made me realize I was always thinking small. Thinking small because I didn't think I was good enough at fill in the blank. For me, it was yoga. Thinking small because I didn't think I knew enough about fill in the blank. We all think small sometimes when we doubt ourselves. So self-doubt leads to lack of confidence. Lack of confidence leads to undervaluing ourselves. Meaning, even if you know that what you're doing is worth a million bucks, if you doubt yourself, you won't even think it's worth anything. We have to value ourselves to have confidence. Confidence of our worthiness to live the life of our dreams. And the way we discover confidence and feel self-worth around living the life of our dreams is to trust. Trust that what is being prompted from inside of our own heart and asking to be birthed out into the world is part of the divine flow of your life. And so if we deny those inner longings of what we want to put out there in the world or what we would do if success was the only possible outcome, then we deny the most pure, innocent essence of ourselves, which is that we are creators. We create our own reality It starts with a thought and it moves from there. And if you want to bring it even deeper, it starts from a feeling. The feeling happens before the thought. Like if there's a feeling that you want to connect with people and that comes up and there's this thought, I really want to do something where I connect with people. Next thing you know, you're like, wow, I really love yoga. I know I'm going to teach yoga. Or whatever it might be for you. For my partner, it's like, wow, I really love making music. Man, I really want to do something where I can connect with people. I know, I'll produce music and be a DJ. Boom, connection. So we have to trust what we feel compelled to do. Everyone has a reason that they have chosen their highest dream. Maybe it's that you feel this creative urge within you and you want to map out the entire galaxy. Whatever it is. It's up to us and us alone to trust that inner prompt from our own heart. If we are living life from an ego-based perspective, we're going to shoot our heart down. We're going to say, no, that's not logical. Why don't you go to grad school, get a good job, make six figures or seven figures a year, get the nice car, have the four kids, you know, impress your parents, receive approval, become the CEO. And before you know it, you're old and you've never done a single thing that you've wanted to do with your life. So we have to be careful not to let the ego run the show. Because if we allow the ego to run the show, suddenly we might find ourselves in a vortex of energy that we have no idea how we got there. And If that occurs, we lose what makes us who we are. We lose our authenticity. And a lot of people have found themselves there and worked to come back to themselves. Why do you think there's 8,000 ayahuasca retreats in South America going on? It's not for poor hippies. Poor hippies just do it in the jungle in Hawaii. It's for people with money. It's for people not only... So no one get offended, please. But why are all of these retreats, even yoga retreats, why do they exist? 
they cater to helping people find themselves, whether they have money or not. But generally, a lot of people who seek these awakenings are people who have already gone down the material rabbit hole and they have the nice car, they have the big home, they have everything they need, yet they're still not happy. And that's a lesson for all of us, whether we've reached all of our three-dimensional goals or we've reached none of them. We need to understand that happiness lies in the here and now. If we always place our happiness or our self-worth or our confidence in things that have yet to come, illusions that we're chasing that we will actually never catch, then even when we have all of those things that we've dreamed of, we're still at square one. We still don't feel worthy to receive them. We still don't feel as if we deserve that type of happiness. So we keep chasing. And this is a vicious cycle. It can happen materially. It can happen spiritually, such as people chasing enlightenment people wanting to master all of the thousands of yoga poses? What happens when you've mastered that one-armed handstand with your foot on your head and your perfect drishti and your brand new yoga clothes that a company sent you for free? What happens? Do you feel worthy then? Or is the pile of unworthiness so deep that you can't even begin to understand who you are anymore? And this is the risk we all take is that if we chase, we fall short every single time. Whereas if we arrive at the present moment and move in the direction that our heart calls us to, we're moving from the level of the Supreme Self. And again, the Bhagavad Gita says the Supreme Self is the enjoyer, the supporter of life, the approver, meaning there's an aspect of you that always approves of who you are as you are, no exceptions. And that aspect of you is just on the microcosm of the macrocosm. All of life is the same essence. So this huge universal energy approves of you as you are, who you are, no exceptions. How do we know? Because you are embodied and able to breathe the breath of life right now. And that is all the validation that we need seek to understand that every single living being deserves basic human rights. And beyond basic human rights, every single one of us deserves to live a life that we've always dreamed of. And part of that comes from letting go of chasing illusions of success in the future, and instead finding gratitude for everything we have right now. Instead of wishing that we look differently or that we were slightly more talented at something that we're pursuing, we can actually appreciate how we look right now and we can continue to work at what we are building for ourselves. So if you want to be a good piano player, you don't quit after your very first lesson and say you're never going to be good at it. No, you pursue it. You keep practicing. You dig your heels into it. You study tutorials or whatever it takes. And eventually, by surrendering in the here now to the process of learning the piano, eventually you will become a master. And this is how all of life is. Whatever it is you're calling in and you want to do with your life, it's about surrendering to the process of things. 
Because sometimes when we are a beginner, we don't have a lot of confidence at what we're doing. And that's natural. We call this beginner's mind. And from a more Eastern philosophy, beginner's mind is one of the greatest, most open minds you can ever have. Because beginner's mind is egoless. Beginner's mind is our ability to be fully present, just like a newborn fresh out of the womb, looking around at all the faces. That's what beginner's mind is. And instead of trying to rush past that phase and master something or try to say something we're not, which leads to doubt, because if we're living a lie, how can we not doubt a lie? Instead of trying to be something we're not, we can be who we are. Wow, I'm a beginner. I'm not very good at this. It's like me with salsa dancing. No matter how much I do it, I'm always going to step on my dance partner's feet and end up laughing and probably accidentally stepping on other people's feet who I'm not even dancing with. But I really enjoy it. And I know that if I actually wanted to become a salsa dance performer, all I would have to do is practice and commit myself to it and get past that phase of not feeling good at it. And suddenly, I'm out there twirling around just as gracefully as the next person who's practiced and invested their time. So part of finding authentic self-confidence is also applying ourselves, applying ourselves to studying and learning the craft that we want to learn. It's kind of like doing a headstand in yoga. If you just look at a picture of a headstand and you've never tried it, it seems impossible. And we might cancel it out altogether before we've even tried it. But if we do several yoga lessons, maybe even a year for some of us or more, eventually we start to understand how to approach headstand. And eventually we can even stand on our head and close our eyes and almost relax there for 10 minutes. We have to be open to the phases of things. Rather than thinking, I'm not good at it, I can't do it, I need to shut down now and lock myself off to it for the rest of my life, we need to say, all right, I'm learning. And just be in that vulnerability. Because there's something so beautiful about being in that rawness, in that vulnerability of knowing that we don't know. And I think the underlying beauty of it is that we just become okay with ourselves as we are. We don't have any external titles or glorifications we can cling to and say, oh, I am the best, you know, salsa dancer in the room. Look at me. I feel worthy. Can we still feel worthy even though we are actually the worst salsa dancer in the room? I know for me, that's like life goals. That's something that I want to fully feel in this lifetime. Is that whether I feel justified or validated or credited for my work, no matter whether the work was impeccable or I fell short, I want to know and truly authentically say that I feel great about myself and that I love myself no matter what. And imagine what an epic place the world would be if we could all just be willing to accept this, that we are accepted and held by the universe no matter what. And that there is a divine aspect within us which is always supporting us, always approving of us. And actually it's the divinity embodied within us which is that essence that is always the approver and enjoyer of this life. Suddenly, we would be able to approve and enjoy everyone else the way they are as well, without needing people to change for our egos. 
Our ego is actually what thinks we or someone else needs to change. Whereas if we're living life from a heart-centric based consciousness, we realize that everything is actually in perfection. Whether you stand on your head and fall over and land on the person next to you, or stand on your head and hold it perfectly for 20 minutes without even wavering, those experiences are of equal value. In fact, perhaps falling out of the headstand is even more valuable because it teaches us to be grateful and to be playful. Grateful, we didn't break any bones. Playful, oh wow, it's not that scary. I can trust life a little more than I thought previously. Look, I even fell out of this headstand and nothing bad happened. I just rolled over and here I am again. So part of self-confidence, perhaps the biggest part is to trust ourselves, to trust that we are capable of learning, we are capable of being naturally gifted, and we are capable of mastering anything that we put time, energy, and effort into. In knowing that, we can realize that it doesn't matter what walk of life we come from, what economic structure we've been raised in, we all have this green light from the universe to put ourselves out there exactly the way we feel like it. And let's not hold ourselves to any old ideals about who we used to be and how, oh, I'm never good at things. Because if we put that out there, oh, I'm not athletic, suddenly you go to do something athletic and if you're good at it, you immediately think it's a fluke. We have to understand that every single day, every single moment, we are in fluctuation with the universe. So what used to be true for you 10 years ago might not be the truth at all anymore. I know for me, public speaking used to strike fear into my heart. I would be pouring sweat before a workshop. And then I would fake it till I made it. I would hide my terror and show up with a confident energy and teach a great workshop. Now I feel very comfortable in front of a group speaking. I feel at home. I feel at ease. I had to practice my art, but at the same time, I also just had to trust what was coming through me and get out of my own way. And part of this confidence, this authentic self-confidence, is being able to get out of our own way, to realize that deep down, something bigger than us is animating us and causing us to act. And if we surrender to this universal force of energy moving through us for the highest good and put ourselves out there in the way that we are compelled, then we become the conduit for the energy to move. We no longer think we're doing it. It's the ego-based consciousness that thinks we are the one doing things. The heart Supreme self-based consciousness realizes that we are not the doer. We are simply the conduit for the life force to flow through the lens of our spirit and project itself out onto this earth. And some people are going to receive what we're offering with love and gratitude and other people won't even notice us or give us the time of day. And that comes back to not needing any external validation. And realizing the validation is within the feeling of being compelled to share something. And that alone is enough.
I know for me, in my life, a lot of my lack of confidence or lack of self-worth comes from not receiving validation from others. And this has come in the realm of my career and my personal life. I can actually see the pattern within myself that I constantly seek validation. And there's a part of me that really grumbles at that neediness. It's like, you don't need validation from others. You don't care what others think. But I know that's a lie. And I think a lot of us kind of go into that. We go into the, well, for me to be confident, I can't care what others think. But if we shut out other people's opinions completely, then we lose the opportunity for growth. So part of building self-confidence is being able to receive feedback from others. I remember when I was in massage school, we would um, give our massage clinic buddies massages. We would trade and then they would fill out a feedback form about how well we did with our session. And over the course of being together six months, some days were better than others working with one another. And I remember one day this woman who... We weren't exactly uh, buddies, gave me a really searing feedback session in front of the whole class. She critiqued my entire massage and said it was lacking attention. I didn't work the insertion points of the muscles enough. And that I always thought I was the best at everything and I wasn't open to anyone. She actually said that to the group. And my cheeks were red, and I was really upset with her for doing that. But now, as I reflect upon it, I realize that feeling of being upset was my ego. It was me feeling too vulnerable in front of everyone to be able to receive that feedback gracefully. When the truth was, actually, I was working on a male who had come into the clinic who I didn't feel comfortable working on. And so I had not worked the insertion points of his quadricep muscles for a reason. And I was maybe not seeming like I was giving as much attention to the massage because I was trying to protect my energy field. And in that moment, rather than trying to defend myself to her in the group, something else clicked over and said, yes, but it's up to you to be comfortable working on your clients. It's like in that moment, that other person in my massage school, that woman, made me have a realization. It didn't come in the way she wanted. I think she was aiming a little bit below the belt towards me, but it hit me at my third eye. It was like, wow, you've got to get comfortable working with people, no matter whether they're a man or a woman. And it was a deep moment for me because it it made me realize that feedback is not always an attack. Sometimes And the reason I talk about this is because sometimes we lack confidence in something we're doing because of some negative feedback we have received from others over the course of time of doing something we love. But we need to understand that what we perceive as negative feedback could actually have been intended as constructive criticism. And even if something was intended negatively to hurt us, if we can step out of our ego and into our heart, we might be able to take a more witnessing standpoint and take a good look at our reaction and see, wow, did that ring true for me? And what I've come to understand is that if I have a strong reaction to something, for example, someone's feedback, 
usually there is some level of truth to what they're saying. And if I can humble myself enough to receive what that truth is, then I actually can learn from even something that was intended to hurt me. And I can use it to fuel my fire, to get better at my craft, to be more confident than before because I've already gone through some of the loopholes, some of the catches of my profession, for example, with massage. And that's the invitation is that even if we want to base our self-confidence on whether others approve of us or not, we need to realize that at some point that bubble is going to be burst. And rather than be bewildered by it and upset or offended, we can actually expect those moments to happen. And they're so few and far in between for most of us that we can learn to appreciate those moments. As finally, someone might have told us the truth about something we were not willing to face about ourselves. That perhaps people who have too much love for us weren't able to tell us. So whether we receive validation or not, we can continue growing. And for me, I know for myself, as long as I continue growing, learning, practicing, studying, and putting myself out there, I feel confident. If I feel stagnant, shut down, fearful of being seen by others, I feel a lack of confidence. And with that comes a sense of not being on path. So if you say, well, what's the point of being confident anyway? Well, besides being willing to manifest what we truly feel called to manifest, it's also because if we walk through life with the sense of confidence based on our internal knowingness that we are always supported, loved, and approved of, joy is a natural outcome of that. And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life from a joyful place. And if part of my joy is based on me manifesting my dreams, because I'm not enlightened yet, and I don't naturally always feel joyous, even when things are not going my way at all, then I want to choose a life of joy. I want to choose a life that allows me to be okay with being myself. And I'm sure if we could look at it for ourselves, we would all choose that. What are the options? Hate yourself every single day? Deny who you are? Do a menial job that you hate and barely get through life? Or live life in an abundant, joyful way where we get to explore the creative energy that we were all born with. We get to realize that no matter who we are, we are capable of manifesting things it starts with a feeling that feeling translates to a thought that thought and intention that intention translates into actions to manifest it and if all goes according to plan over a lot of time or very little time depending on what's going on eventually we manifest what we're calling in my friend hope says actually we project it And that's pretty much the same thing as manifestation. Projection and manifestation are basically synonyms if we were to really look at them. I projected that I had this partner in my dreams for years and then one day he walked into my life and that's my current partner. So whether I manifested him or projected him, that's up for debate. But the reality is we all have this capacity to be creators, to create our own reality on some level or another. 
So you can create your own self-confidence by realizing that it's up to you what you choose. It's all about your attitude towards yourself. Gratitude is a good place to start. Beyond that, fake it till you make it. And the reality is when you're thinking you're faking it until you're making it, you're actually in beginner's mind. So perhaps you're more authentic than you'll ever be in that moment. So savor that rawness of authenticity, of being fully present with something, applying yourself fully to something. It's like the wind in your hair on the bow of a boat. Let yourself be free in it. Because whenever we stop running from our feelings and our feelings of shortcomings or what we're not good enough, we immediately arrive at ourselves. And when we arrive at ourselves, suddenly we realize we are more capable than we ever imagined. So what are you creating? Trust your deepest longings. And be the master of your own destiny. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma Podcast. Aloha.